0: You're listening to The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 22, all about digital discipleship, and we're not even being ironic. Welcome to The Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, who will stay past his welcome. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. Today on the show, I have a good friend of mine. He is a class act kind of guy. His name is Van Baird. And if you don't know Van, Van is one of the co founders of that church conference. And it is all about digital community and digital communications, I should say, in the church. Van has a partner named Justin Dean who's coming on the show later, Uh, but Van is first up. And what I'm excited to talk to Van about is something that's really near and dear to his heart that I think is a really interesting take. You know, social media has not been one of those places where it's been very friendly or easy to be an evangelizer or a discipler, especially in discipleship. It's hard to get to that place where you're actually discipling others on social media, online in general. And Van has this, a couple of pointers for us about how we can become, uh, digital disciplers and digital, digital discipleship, which is really hard to say, by the way, digital discipleship is something that's becoming more and more, uh, possible simply because video I think is being, uh, pushed on all of the social media platforms. So all those times that you couldn't like get tone and facial expressions because you're typing out a message and it was read wrong and you just fail, 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 fail. Now with video, now with live video, now with interacting, like, uh, like I know in Facebook messenger, you can video chat and do things like that. When you're, now that we're able to see people's faces and get tones, discipleship is becoming way more in reach for online communities. It's very exciting. So as we move into that era of Dan has some great tips for us. You can find the show notes today at uh, sethmuse.com slash 22 and that's where you will find all the links we talk about, a couple of book, A book is mentioned by Gary Vaynerchuk, and uh, I think we're going to link to that church conference. I also have a link for you, too, that has kind of nothing to do with this, but everything to do with this, that is for from ministry downloads. I've got to put a link in the show notes. If you're preparing for Easter, which you should be at the time this podcast is launched, it's coming up. April 16th is Easter, and it is now March 21st, March 21st, when this podcast episode drops. So if you're behind the eight ball, as they say, and you haven't got your, your graphics together, you haven't got your, your uh, theme together. You haven't, you just kind of don't know what you're doing. You've got a few little things, but not, not anything you're really happy with. I'm going to put a link in the show notes that for $49, and this only goes till March 31st. So through March 31st for 49 bucks, you can download this huge downloadable pack of stuff for Easter to do at your church. And that can be that's it. You know, wipe your hands. Easter's ready. So now you got to worry about your service and your, and your content and things like that, but your social posts and your graphic design and a couple of video backgrounds and things are in there and it's all downloadable. Only 49 bucks. That is super affordable. So I'll put a link in there. You guys can go check that out. Hopefully you'll get that and, uh, it make, it'll just make your Easter a lot better. Cause honestly, right now, if you're at the point where you're not quite there yet, or you haven't really even started, Um, this is a great opportunity for you to get ahead real quick, because I know that a lot of us work in churches and you're part-time, you're volunteer, or even if you're full-time, you've got a ton of stuff going on. So having one more thing kind of off your plate, especially something important is, is a huge help. And what's great about this download pack is it's quality stuff. I know sometimes people offer these packs and stuff, and it's not very good, and it's just kind of like okay or meager. But let me tell you, these are pros, and this stuff is really great. So I'm going to put this link in there for you, and hopefully you'll go and and, and it'll make your Easter a little easier. And you can get back to hunting Easter eggs and talking about Jesus coming out of the tomb and trying to relate why rabbits are part of our Easter traditions to little kids because they're going to want to know. And honestly, so do I. So without anything else to say about that, let's move on into our interview today with Van Baird on digital discipleship, which is going to be a great way you could possibly follow up with your Easter guests through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever your platforms your church uses. So here's my conversation with Van Baird. Enjoy it. It's awesome. He's awesome. And thank you guys so much for listening. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm excited to have my my guest and friend, Van Baird, on the podcast. Van, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me, man.
0: My pleasure. And I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Um, watching you kind of walk around the internet a little bit and seeing kind of your perspective on things and, and all that, I, I really enjoy your your outlook and some of the things that you post uh, and just the way that you answer a lot of people in our Facebook group. So, why, for the people who aren't in that group or don't really know who you are, would you tell us just who you are, what your ministry is, and just kind of what you're into so they get a little picture of Van Baird?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I am a husband of almost 25 years to Wendy. Um, I have two daughters that still call me daddy, even though they're practically adults. One is an adult, and one is graduating high school this year.
0: Man, that's the dream.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Get, get them off the payroll. That's the dream. Yeah. Um, but they're great. And I've got a few businesses that I run, um, but they're all based off of relationships. I think my uh, my relationship with jesus is is key, and it drives just about everything else that I do from my family, to my friends, to my money, um, to the way I do and approach digital. So that's that's me, man, just just trying to to build that relationship with Jesus and have that pour over into every other aspect of my life
0: yeah and and uh, that's awesome. Have you ever have you ever been on church staff? Or are you on church staff mm-hmm. right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm much older than you and uh, decades ago, <laughs> probably not. Um, uh, was I, I attended Columbia Bible College uh, right after it became Columbia International University uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, and studied family ministry there and went on church staff as a young married. Um, and God just was like, hey, I'm gonna crush you while you're on staff um, and let you learn what you're not supposed to do in serving me. And uh, which was great. I learned so much, but um, spent years on staff and then just stepped aside. God had to work some things out in me. Um, And so I've been serving in a lay capacity, you know, for 20 years, um, which has been great. So um, over that time, and since the digital age dawned, I've worked with uh, North Point church, at their Brownsbridge campus doing social media and digital for them, uh, in the past. And then, um, of course I'm affiliated with that church conference as a co-founder and we help church communicators tell the best story that the church has to tell.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, um, that's where I connected with you is through that, that church conference,
1: uh, which, which church conference, that church conference,
0: you know, that one, that one, that one, (laughs) that one that happens in Atlanta.
1: That church conference. Yes. yes, And yes. it has a,
0: uh, a workshop coming up to Chicago soon.
1: It does. That wow. You're on, you're on, it. You're yeah, on top man. Of it.
0: I'm actually coming to Atlanta this year. I didn't get to go last year. So I've, oh, sweet. I've ponied up the dough and I am on my way.
1: Good so deal. That's
0: now, I have, now I just have to figure out travel and hotels and all that too. So yeah. got to figure all that out because they haven't released all that info yet. But anyway, uh, yeah, that church conference is a communications conference. For those of you that don't know, you should check it out. Uh, that's cc.com. And it is uh, where Van and I kind of connected through that platform just in the Facebook group. And man, I, I've noticed just your your heart for people online in the digital space. And that's kind of why I wanted you to come on is to talk about that a little bit, because this is a difficult area that pastors and Christians in general. have It's difficult to understand how do we disciple people online? Like, mm-hmm. how does that happen? So I know that you do that. Can you tell us about the coaching and some of the discipleship things that you do, either with that church conference or you're on your own?
1: Yeah. So through, I mentioned I have a few companies and through one of them called Relational Equity, um, it's just a consulting company, and I work one-on-one with businesses and individuals that run nonprofits and churches on how to listen over social media. Um, so it's a social listening technique um, that is pretty rare um, when you when it comes to content marketing. Um, but I just I just believe in in that you know when we if we want to be disciples or get disciples or disciple somebody. Um, you know, I think it starts with listening and in this digital age, we all share so much information about ourselves. And I think as the church, I think as people that want to influence other people, it starts with listening. Um, and the model was was Jesus. Um, you know, he was all knowing and he still asked a bunch of questions when, when the lady would reach out to touch his robe and he would ask who touched my robe. He already, he already knew the answer to that.
0: Yeah. And plus uh, like, like he already, and,
1: like everybody yeah, touch his
0: robe too. Right. I mean, everybody's touching him. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, but he knew before he asked what she needed and you know, where she was in her life. And I think if we can be intentional in our approach to listening to what other people are posting online, um, we can, we can know how to minister to people before we even meet them face to face because we share so much of our lives. And, and so I help, um, churches and nonprofits and businesses develop that listening technique um, so that we can love the way Jesus did.
0: And, and for social media, I just wanted you to know, on my whiteboard at my office, I have at the very top, it never moves, it says 60-20-20. And I, yeah. got, I got that from you because I'd, I'd heard you on like the Pro Church Tools podcast or something talk about it. Can you tell us yeah. what the 60-20-20 rule is for social media?
1: yeah and shout out to Brady Shearer. if um, you know if any of you guys are just gearheads and tech geeks and sound guys and audio guys and please check out Pro church tools Brady is the freaking man yeah. uh, when it comes to that but yeah so the 60 2020 rule um, I'll back up a second. so Gary Vaynerchuk is you know if I'm a disciple of Jesus for my faith I'm a disciple of Gary for my social media um, <laughs> and I just love his his the gospel for me, listening and connecting from a customer service standpoint from relationship standpoint was his book the thank you economy um and he talks very openly that look content is king you can't get away from that like you have to have good content your church has to have good content um if you're blogging regularly it's going to be so much easier for people to find you if you have good content that you're sharing so i don't ever argue that point but if we have if we as businesses and as churches, we depend on people showing up or buying our product or giving or tithing or being a part of our community. And so I think their content is more important than our content on some level. It shouldn't replace what we do from a content marketing standpoint, but it should be a good piece of what we do from a content standpoint. So to develop ways to listen to what your people are talking about is key. So if content is king, and I don't argue that, but I do joke that relationships are Beyonce. <laughs> She's the queen, and and what are we doing to develop those relationships? And so the 60 sixty twenty twenty rule comes from the um, the fruit of listening to what your people are, are posting online. Because when I struggled with content um, and what to post, it was it was a chore. It was God, I got to come up with another idea, another blog post. Yeah the podcast guests, but the more I listened to the people that were important to me, whether it was my clients, whether it was churches that I was working with, I, I would, I would find their content to share and I could use my platform to leverage the good for them. So the 60, 20, 20 rule says, Hey, if you're going to post on social media, um, you're going to blog. What if 60% of the time you posted about somebody else? You posted about um, an organization that you believed in. You, you posted about an event that you wanted people to attend that wasn't even your event. Um, you just posted to be encouraging to an individual or organization that you believed in. 60% of the time, if you, if you did that, you know, what would your social feeds start to look like? Well, it wouldn't be all about you. It wouldn't be about buy our stuff or show up for our event or volunteer here or here's our latest pastor's sermon. You know, it would be that we're posting about the people that we believe in and that are important to us, and we're going to leverage our platform for them. Um, So 60 percent of the time you post about other people. 20 percent of the time you just post about a day in the life of, of you or your organization and so that you're relatable, you know, hashtag relatable. Yeah. Um, and you know, so people can, Oh, okay. That's what's going on in Seth's world. And that's what's going on at my church. They had a birthday party for somebody today or, um, you know, they got a new drone or whatever, you know, just something about a day in the life. Yeah. And then that leaves you with the other 20% to just do what Gary talks about, which is a right hook, you know? Mm -hmm. So jab, 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 jab with talking about other people, talking about the things that are important to you um, and what's going on in your life and then you get the ability to then ask hey can you show up for our event hey can you can you share about you know this tweet can you can you give um, you know to our organization can you buy our product and so that's the 60 20 20 rule is yeah. you know it, it's leveraging other people and what they believe in it's a um, really good instead rule instead of talking about yourself all the time
0: well, thanks. It, it, it's a really good rule. And, you know, just yesterday I posted something on Instagram stories about how I walked into our cap, our uh, area at church where we have like the cafe and all the staff go there for snacks and stuff. And we have this amazing um, little cubby hole of a, of a sink and a fridge and, and coffee and all that. And it's like stocked with sweet tea at my church all the time. Uh, it's crazy. But I walked in and there was this giant bag of popcorn just a giant bag. And there were people standing around it, getting popcorn, just talking on staff. So I I just shot it real quick. And uh, later that night, last night, I got this message through Instagram stories in our church site, our church Instagram. And it said, who's on the camera behind this? It's like, somebody's going, I'm noticing that there are things happening at the church and I never see who's on camera, you know, so I just want to know who this Mm. is. So it peaks of interest. And I actually got response because of popcorn. And just showing yeah. people hanging out, you know, it's like, who cares about that? Well, everybody cares. That's why we do social media. We want to see what's going on in your life, you know? So it's a really good rule. And that's kind of what mm. it brought for me. So I think that's a great part uh, beginning to understanding discipleship online. It, it starts with listening. And I think there's not a lot of that going on on social media anyway. But uh, when you stop and listen, it really sends up a flare to people like, OK, this is a person I can respect and they're listening to me. I think that's a good start. So what are some of those God moments you've seen in digital when you've been talking with people or listening or discipleship online? What are some of those big moments where you go, man, God was doing something here?
1: Yeah. You know, in, it's maybe a sad state of affairs that, you know, we would call them really cool God moments when it, in essence, really should just be what we're doing every day anyway. But yeah. what I, the feedback that I get is, um, you know, the more that I listen, the more that I get a chance to be heard. Yeah. And so instead of me saying, follow me, here's what you should be doing, um, you know, uh, here's my you should be doing my steps to listening. I get people that reach out and say, "Hey, man, I, I feel like you know I, I'm really appreciative of what you're doing for us. How can I help you?" Um, and I think the God moments are that w- the more intentional I am relationally, the more I get a chance to have relationships. Yeah. And I think you know we can badmouth digital on a lot of levels um, that it you know it divides us. It doesn't let us connect as much. But I, I just don't agree with that, Seth. I think, I think it's going to become more and more easy to connect with people and to connect with what we're looking for um, you know, over the next five to ten years. We won't really have to search for much because yeah. it's really going to all be at our fingertips. And so the God moments for me have been that um, it's made it easier for me to talk to people about Jesus um, because I, I stand out. This method stands out. Um, and people notice like, okay, I'm, he's liking almost everything I'm posting or, you know, there's, there's comments where, um, nobody else is commenting and, you know, people are posting in order to be heard. And so to the, when you get that feeling of, okay, somebody's actually listening in this big, noisy, you know, online world, all of a sudden you get to connect quicker yeah. and, so that's that's what it's been for me, and and maybe that's good, maybe that's sad. That you know, it it, it, it takes very little for for people to feel like they're connecting.
0: Yeah, and I think um, when you when you're talking about someone no one's commenting. You know, that I know there's so many church pages that put things out, and then people might like it or comment on it. Yeah, and it just hangs there, and the church never responds. And I think that when you do respond and you do comment on that kind of stuff, even if it's like an announcement slide and Mm -hmm. they've, they've gone, Hey, I would really love to go to this. When, when can I sign up or whatever? And you just stonewall them. You know, it it just communicates that you're not listening to us out here. You don't know what's going on out here. And when you respond, it's like, Oh, well they, they're paying attention, you know? Mm -hmm. And And I'll tell you, that's been a huge deal for our social media strategy change. And it's been the hardest to deal with too, because it, it just shows they're listening, but then you kind of have to be be on top of it. So you have to be mm-hmm. aware of it and it's a little bit harder. Um, yeah. has this, has this kind of changed you and your, your walk with Christ? I mean, how has it affected you to be involved in online digital discipleship?
1: Well, yeah, it's funny. Um, going back to the thank you economy, when I first read that, um, the business that I was like 100% all in at the time was my state farm agency. I'm a state farm agent here in Atlanta. And, um, I read this book, and so immediately I went to my team and said, "Hey, we need to start implementing all this stuff. We need to start, you know, we need to start loving on our, our customers more. We need to start listening to them. We need to send them gifts. We need to do follow up. We need to all this." And then one day, um, they they were great. They came to me and said, "Hey, you're asking us to do all this for our clients, but if we're honest, you're not doing all that for us." Ouch. And it yeah so you know good or bad I empowered them you know to give me that kind of feedback yeah and then it was like all right you're yeah I I've got to start with you guys and then so that you know loving on my team and I'm loving on my clients and then kind of the same eye-opening conversation was at home it's like hey you got a family and you know what are you doing you know to listen to us and um, this is it was just that that's why I think the thank you economy book meant so much to me because it actually empowered me in, in so many other relationship areas. Um, and even though it wasn't a biblical based book, it still was like, no, the power of relationship has to start with your heart and you got really, you got to start with this, you know, in your personal life. And so it was, all right, well, if I'm, what's the name, the the, the number one relationship that I need to concentrate on in it, it was ultimately, I got to go back to Jesus. I gotta, I, I gotta be in tune and listening to him. Um, and so it was, it's been great. This was seven years ago and, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for a while, but it was really kind of in this digital age, I had to pull my head out of my iPhone and, um, and listen and and engage. And so it's really funny to me, ironic that digital strengthened my physical relationships. Yeah. how, Um, How
0: has, how has that changed the culture of your like workplace and places you've done that?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, um, completely laid back. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just not the guy that's, um, nitpicking about everything. Cause it's built a, a level of trust that I didn't have before. Hmm. Um, because my team appreciates, knows that I appreciate them, knows that I'm listening and it's not just online. Like we have really intentional conversations now. Um, and so it's caused us to have these, instead of small talk, we have big talk conversations. <laughs> um, and it. Yeah, so that's that's it. when you start doing that, then there's a level of trust that you didn't have before, and same with my my family and, and even with my friends. Like it's just not it's not worth it just to catch up on small talk anymore. Like life's too short. People have stuff going on, um, and so all my relationships have been richer um, because of the intentionality of listening.
0: Awesome. Well, thinking about a church social media or even if it's someone at the church who's volunteering or the they said, Hey youth pastor, you're young and you know this stuff, you don't you do our social media? Whatever the case is, social media directors in church and communications directors in church are struggling to find some way to disciple online. And you know, how much of a pastor's heart is needed for that because sometimes the administrative secretary gets hit with that, you know, like you're the Mm -hmm. one doing our emails, you're the one doing our social posts. You're the one Yeah. uh, because why? Because you're the admin and we just need somebody to do it. Or you like this stuff. Why don't you do it? How much of a pastor's heart really has to go into your online social media and, and communication?
1: You know, I think, um, and this is going to be hard for some churches to swallow, but you know, if you go back to the new Testament and, and what, what Paul used, what John the Baptist used, you know, what people used in Jesus' time was the technology of the day, right? It was whatever right. it was. It may have, may have been papyrus. It may have been, you know, etchings. It could have been, you know, writing letters, but that was the technology. And, and, you know, that Paul wrote his own letters. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have a secretary. He didn't have, you know, an intern. Um, so the pastor's heart, I think, is critical. And anymore, um, if, if you don't feel like, you know, at your church, your pastor has this ability Then it needs to be higher. I think it's a position in a church that should be a full-time job because what happens is that the pastors end up ministering to the people that show up inside the walls of the church. Yeah. But we're called to reach all the people outside the walls of our church and no other time in history has it been this easy to reach so many people for Christ.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think churches see it that way? Do you think they see social media as an outreach tool?
1: No, uh, this company, you know, relational equity actually started, um, based on us doing surveys of churches that were using social media. And this is, you know, four years ago, um, and how little it was integrated into their overall platform. And it's changed dramatically in four years, but still it's not to where it needs to be. I think the the mega church mentality, you know, they're doing it first. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's gotten so inexpensive to implement some of these strategies that four years ago seemed like a lot. So I'm seeing it more and more, but I don't, when they, the answer to your question is no, I see churches using it to, to, um, as a megaphone, you know, to quote Dave Adamson from North point, it's just, Hey, here's an event, here's a pot, here's a sermon. Um, here's our new potluck. Here's, we need volunteers in this area and you're missing an opportunity. Um, that if, you know, if you lead a volunteer team at your church, if you have a ministry area, like, um, the nursery at your church and you're over that, and that's your responsibility and you're not listening, you don't have a plan in place to listen to what those volunteers are posting about online, I think you're missing an opportunity there. So, um, let me, you know, do you have to have a pastor's heart? Yes, but you don't have to know how to do digital to do that. You just got to know how to read. Yeah. You just, I mean, if you can. You scroll. We all scroll mindlessly through our our newsfeed on Facebook. Just the scroll, and we get upset because it's political, or we get upset because you know it's you know somebody talking about Alabama football again. <laughs> um, you know, just a little dig at Alabama that's, fans. That's personal. But
0: that sounds personal.
1: Can what what if we could get rid of some of that white noise and just focus on the people we want to listen to that we depend on and and are integral to our ministry? You know. What if we just listen to them for ways, you know, to have conversations and go deeper with them? So um, but I kind of went off on a rabbit trail. Yes, it needs to be a full time position if you're going to have a social media strategy at your church. But it can be as simple as having a list of people that you check in on and and listen to what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me at at my church, I've already started to recognize um, people that I, I see on Facebook a lot at church. You know, so it's 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 going that extra and going, hey, I know that person. Let me t- go say hi to him. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, hey, how's your foot? I saw you broke it. Wait, who are you? You know, it's like, oh, I'm yeah. the social media thing. You know, so yeah. it's being social in that way. But I think there is a a a, a disconnect sometimes for for social media being personal that mm-hmm. um, that pastors have kind of in, integrated into our strategy is that mm-hmm. it's that's not personal, so that can't be discipleship. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's churches that are not thinking that way anymore. They're starting to not, and, and they're higher. Those are the ones typically that hire a social media person, but I'll, I'll tell you, even some of the friends that I have that as soon as they get on staff, it's like the push to just megaphone, megaphone, megaphone mm-hmm. like, talking and, mm-hmm. and not, and not really get to know people or in, interact with people. Um, it, it is a struggle. There's a push and pull there that mm-hmm. is really, really hard. Um, I, I think I think pastors are starting to get it. I, I do, but it's just again we're a little bit behind, a little bit behind the, the eight ball on that. Mm. So, um, so, a pastor's heart is is super important, and and you want to get in people's lives, but sometimes it's it's dangerous. You know, on, mm. the online world is a little bit dangerous, especially yeah. if you're speaking as a church. So speaking as a church, what are some of those warnings for digital discipleship? What are, what, what's dangerous about it?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, and what you're alluding to, I mean, it's just, it, there is the unknown who's on the other end of the, you know, the phone or the, or the laptop. But um, I'll get questions a lot from churches like, um, should we be on Instagram? Should we be on Snapchat? Should we be on Facebook? And my, and my question is, I don't know. Have you prayed about it yet? Yeah. Have you, have you, honestly, I mean, this is, this is a ministry opportunity. Um, Do you feel led to create this platform? And if so, what, then what's your end goal? And I think every church should have in writing what their social media policies are, the do's and the don'ts, what's acceptable and what's not. And, you know, you sign off on it. Um, if you're going to be somebody that's going to have access to a social media account for a church, and what would you say Um,
0: some of those things might be,
1: you know, those are, there's the pretty broad settings, um, you know, as far as what we will and won't post and that's going to be different for every church. Um, but you know, to, are you going to have instant messaging on, you know, are those going to be able to be captured somehow? Um, you know, what's the accountability piece, um, for the different platforms. And, you know, those, those are easily, we've got those that we can provide through that church conference, but, um, it, you know, it's, it, you can't build walls high enough from an accountability standpoint. So, you know, some people's beliefs are a man and a woman should never text if they're not married. I mean, there's the fundamentalist side of, of churches that do that. And there's others It's like, you know, you know, you just want to have the written conversations or the text conversations, um, you know, saved. um, so, you know, it can be all over the map as far as, but regardless of what those rules are, it's just, do they exist? And what we find a lot of times that they they don't exist. Yeah. So you don't have the plumb line to come back to and say, Hey, did you stray from these rules or not? Um, and it's not that, you know, you, you expect anybody to do anything wrong. You just want the accountability of, Here's what we will and won't do online.
0: Well, it's that old, um, you know, pl- you'll know, fail to plan. You plan to fail mm-hmm. Yeah, with the, with the rules and stuff. If you don't set those standards. Nobody knows if they're inside or outside the, the boundaries.
1: Yeah. And you and know, it, as, as much as we're in the trenches, uh, a- a- unless people just aren't talking, we're not hearing stories of people screwing up there. So, you know, where it's been, um, something happened because, you know, they got online. Um, we, We, I mean, we talked with a lot of people, you know, our group and the the groups that we're associated with, and we just don't hear those conversations much. Um, Even with like Snapchat, where it was like the devil for years, um, even that's been, you know, a space where you can really connect and listen well. And um, so, yeah, just have the plan and, and pray about it. And, you know, do you really feel led to have a ministry there? And if so, then you need prayer warriors in place. You need a plan in place. And you need an objective. And I think a lot of churches just jump on just because they think they have to, or they saw the life church did it. So we should do it, you know? So yeah, it's, and, you know, and just on that note, reach out to these other churches that you see doing stuff really well and say, you know, what do y'all have in place? And most of these churches are going to be very, very free with their resources and helping other churches get started. So,
0: and you bring up, you bring up a great point, uh, reaching out to other churches. How many of our pastors and leaders balk at the idea of working with other churches or those churches don't have anything to tell us or I'm not going to network. I mean, that is a form of like going, hey, I need discipleship too. I might be able to connect through Twitter with another church and get to know the social media director there. And he mm-hmm. might be doing something that's really great. I might connect through Facebook with the with the church down the street and find out that the other pastor there has this really great idea for discipleship. And if I implement it, it could be something like it. It could yeah. be awesome. I mean, that's like seeking discipleship. Yeah. I don't think we seek it. Yeah. And online is right. one of those ways you can find it so fast.
1: Yeah, Yeah. there's just, you know, it's so funny. I'll shake my head sometimes. Just um, There'll be a question that somebody posts either just on my personal wall or in a group. And I'm like, that is such an easy Google search. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I get it. You want to connect and you want to have somebody walk you through it. But there's just, in 2017, what can't you find the answer to online? Um, whether it's discipleship, whether it's how to do church online better. I mean, it's just, it's, yep. there's so many resources and it's never been easier, one, to reach people for the gospel, but two, to learn how to do it well.
0: Yeah. And, and actually on that more, if you want to see the previous podcast with Josh Blankenship for, for Seminary of Hard Knocks, we talk about that very thing a lot. It's about yeah. being a learner. Uh, I think it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it's not hilarious in a way like I'm laughing at people. It's just, I was there, you know, I was sitting in an office going, man, how do I figure this out? And I got yeah. Google open. And I'm going, I just don't even know who to call. I don't yeah. know where to start. I'm like, ask Google. It's right there, yeah. you know. Yep. So YouTube as well. YouTube University is is the joke, I think. So, um, yeah. Well, one one more thing. Uh, let's talk about coaching a little bit since we're kind of diving mm-hmm. into the the B2B, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. world of professionals discipling professionals for for pastors and coaches and 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 the coaching that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us what that looks like and what the benefit of of having a coach? to kind of decide it's it's a discipleship program, but it, we call yeah. it coaching now. So can you tell us the benefits yeah. and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, and I'm, you know, I do it a couple of different ways. I've got the consulting side, um, which is just, you know, weekly calls and check-ins to help people develop strategies, you know, that they need to use from a listening standpoint. Um, and from, you know, even just simple strategies, as Facebook and Twitter and Instagram um, that I'll do personally, just one-on-one. And then through the conference, you know, if you've got somebody on staff that really wants to get better at doing social, um, again, you know, when you get you Google stuff, but there are people that have a wealth of information. And so we connect them to coaching groups. So you could be in a coaching group with six to 10 other people that are trying to figure out Instagram or Facebook or blogging or, you know, graphics for your, for your church. And you can be in a small group basically with them and being coached yeah. that way. So, um, you know, it's, it's just because what we found, Seth, is that most churches are so willing to share. And this information is is for the gospel to go forward. And there's really nothing to hold on to. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to kind of keep close to your vest. Um, and, and so if, if you need discipleship, it's easy to find. Just reach out. Um, there's so many people that are willing to do that uh, at different levels and, you know, uh, different commitment times. Um, but it's just all sitting there. So I'll do it personally one-on-one. And then we've got groups as well,
0: yeah and and I, I know exactly what you mean. It's I, just the other day I shared like I, ta- I was talking to somebody, and he was like, "How do you make these social media graphics?" And I said, "Well, I use canva." And they're like, "What's canva?" And I just went yeah. Oh, buddy, let me show you Canva. It's going to change your yeah. life. You know, I get so excited to share that with somebody. <laughs> like, I've this has changed my life. It's going yeah. to change yours. Uh, so I know, I know that feeling, and that's kind of what discipleship should feel like. I think when we we do that yeah. for others, and especially when we're online, you know, when somebody when somebody's like, "Hey, can I pray for you? You know, can you mm-hmm. pray for my surgery or whatever?" That's like an easy layup opportunity to go, oh, what's going on? Does our prayer team know? Let me forward that on. You know, and it's like a connection hub to just be yeah. present in what's going on online in your community.
1: Yeah. And then you have the automatic follow up later. I mean, whether you do it publicly or privately, just to send a text the day after the surgery or yep. a week after, you know, send a note. I mean, it's just everybody else gets so busy and you stand out so loudly in a great way. Just by being intentional with what you're listening to.
0: Yeah, and the average church is about a hundred people or less, so that's not hard to keep up with. Mm-hmm. If you're even all. if you're a volunteer, it's just yeah. not hard to do that. You know your people, you know what's going on, and honestly, you're already kind of doing that in what's you know like the print newsletter. So I mean, you kind of can just look at that and go, okay, who do I need to reach out to on social and might find them. So yep. you know, it's it's really easy. It's low hanging fruit. Um, all right, well, Van man this has been great I really I love your heart for this I love that you know you're 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 really trying to implement these things being a, a frontiersman on like actually being personally responsible online with your social interactions I think that's great and discipleship is one of those out outpourings of that um thanks so much for coming on the show man I really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me Seth this has been fun
0: well, before we go, we've got one more little segment we're going to do called Five on the Spot, where I ask you five random questions you have not seen or prepared for. And they could be random or stupid or actually very deep and, and thoughtful. So are you, ready? are you ready?
1: Yeah, let's go. This will be all good. Right.
0: No politics. No Oxford comma talk. Um, all right. Question one. Here we go. All right. Atlanta sports, Kirsten, what are you doing about it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Too soon. Sir. <laughs> Way too soon, my man. <laughs> The answer is yes. Um, I mean, no other reason, just the way that, you know, the Super Bowl ended. Um,
0: Oh, that was so
1: hard. Talk about a gut punch. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was awful. Um, Yeah, I don't know, you know, where it started. uh, You know, we don't have a a Babe Ruth trade or, you know, a goat that, you know, went through Wrigley Field or anything like (laughs) that. Atlanta, I think, you know – what am I doing about it? I mean, I'm just like, you know, we. Just, it's so transient here. Nobody's from Atlanta. Oh, um, really? And it's, yeah. I mean, everybody that's here came from somebody else, somewhere else. And so it's hard, you know, to kind of build up that fan base. And it's very bandwagony. So, uh. yeah, I try to find the ones that are true all year long uh, to the Braves and to the Hawks and to the Falcons. But um, we just got a new soccer team, a uh, professional soccer team here. So that might be actually – where we get our first championship
0: Bringing the fresh ones <laughs> in. That's great. Well, good luck to you, man. That that Super Bowl was so hard to watch. I was cheering for him because I didn't have a dog in the fight, you know. And I'm like, well, I know people from Atlanta, so I'll go for Atlanta, and I really hate New England. Sorry,
1: New England fans. It, it really was, it really was too soon to talk about that. But I man, so.
0: I was like, they've got this. And then Kara, my wife, is like, Let's I'm done. Let's go to bed. They've got it. And I'm like, no, it's kind of starting to they're coming back a little. I want to see it. Might be a good game. I waited
1: You're time. breaking up on me, Seth. I, I really can't hear you I, anymore. <laughs> you might want to get that second question in.
0: Oh man, <laughs> it was hard. I felt for you. I, I just I said a prayer for all my Atlanta people. Um, question two: What's your favorite church comms question to answer?
1: Um, favorite? Just um, you know, how do we get people to engage? And you know, I love that question because I know what they're I know what they're talking about. I've been posting this content, and nothing's happening. Yep. And you know, it's it's that's probably your first mistake. Is you know how how can you start asking questions better? How can you um, tag people better? How can you take advantage of some of the changes within the Facebook business page? And um, and then how can you listen better? And so it gets, I love that question because it starts the conversation and, and leads to so many other good things.
0: Awesome. Question three, what is the best way to protest against cats?
1: Uh, just post pictures of your dog all the time, all the time. <laughs> okay. Just You don't have to be the guy that talks poorly about felines, but you just, you make it obvious <laughs> that dogs are the only things that really um, should be shared with four legs on, on social media.
0: Dogs and puppies and, yeah, and you know, funny things yep. like that. Not yep. cats. That just, nope. that just spreads the evil. It really it's, does. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I, I, I saw this, uh, the shower thoughts tweet. I don't know if you read that off Reddit or whatever, but shower thoughts is where these random thoughts that people have and they just tweet them in. And one of them was, uh, the domesticated cat is only domestic because it's not large enough
1: to eat you. It's exactly right. It's so totally. I so true. Like
0: of all cats, the bigger they are, the more likely they are to hurt you. Yeah. It's like the only reason a cat doesn't hurt you is because it's too small. Uh, it was great. So anyway, question four, who would win in a fight? Andy Stanley or Joel Osteen?
1: a physical fight? Yeah,
0: like a fist fight.
1: Uh, you know, I don't. I, I just, I don't think that question's going to happen. Both those guys are. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's. I don't. This is like there's ce- no answer to that question. It's like it, celebrity cage match. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know Joel. Andy's just. Yeah, that would never, never happen. So. I, yeah.
0: And so no one would win that fight.
1: Because uh, I just don't think it would happen. They just sit there and like talk to each other.
0: That's very sweet of them. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are two so, uh, some of the nicest guys, I mean, whatever you think of their theology, I mean, Joel smiles at everything and Andy yeah. is just like, I'm just trying to understand you. <laughs> you know? yeah. So uh, question five, last one. All right. In the next election year, do you think Republicans or Democrats will eat more tacos?
1: Uh, you know, I think um, that should be the battle. That should be the battleground. That's the battleground uh, for just, next year. Just eat more tacos, and whoever de- whoever eats the most wins, and, and we're all happier people. I'm happy so. with
0: it. Register as a Republican <laughs> or Democrat, and then log your taco in- intake and report it to your nearest polling station, and we'll yes. decide next to president. That's going to be great. Dude. Sounds good to me. <laughs> That's, that works for me. So thank you, yep. Van, so much. I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been great. Uh, a lot of good content here. All right. Thanks, Seth. Well, thanks, guys. And I'll see you back in two weeks for the next episode of the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Thanks for being here. See ya.